I couldn't believe they found a way to make a bad episode worse. And they did. <laughs> Everybody, we're sorkin' it in. Watching the newsroom, please take just a minute. It's a podcast. Aaron Sorkin might choose about Will and Mackenzie making the news. You're sorkin' in it. Shenandoah. That's how we like to greet listeners to this podcast. And coincidentally enough, it's also the name of the episode we're talking about here on Sorkin in it. I'm Lex Friedman. I'm Shenandoah. No, I'm Brian. Brian Shenandoah Warren. But here we are discussing season three, episode five of the newsroom. Oh, Shenandoah. Oh, there's so much to say. Brian, I don't remember. What was this episode all about? I'm sure it was lighthearted and fun. Uh, It was a nice chillax one this is uh the penultimate episode of the entire series mm. will's in jail will is is super in jail he's wearing his jumpsuit and everything and you know doing lots of self-reflecting in there i guess the news team is deep into their life with uh pruitt their new owner uh bj novak and there's this like whole app devoted to stalking uh, sorry citizen journalism um <laughs> and what else is going on don he went off to princeton to go um, investigate and recruit a raped victim to be on the news. Maggie and Jim, they're in Russia, hoping to snap a photo of uh, Edward Snowden, because that's uh, timely for this time. And meanwhile, Charlie is just super worked up and trying to keep this all together. And spoiler alert, he doesn't. <laughs> Brian, we often start with quick takes. Yeah. Quick quick feedback on the episode. Uh, I feel like I too often maybe go first. I don't know. But what what was your take on this episode? Lex, the, I hated this episode. Uh, I would say not only did I hate it, I think it's my least favorite episode of the entire series. Entire maybe series. Maybe one of my least episode, least favorite episodes of television ever that I have seen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, not a lot to love. There actually are a couple like pretty funny and fun parts of it, but they are few and far yes. between, my friend. And there's a lot of scathing... Uh, scathing internet content about this particular episode which Mm -hmm. I did not know going in but then as I as I saw the episode I remember what was going to happen and I even remembered some of the vitriol that had been directed by the public towards this episode Mm -hmm. Um, although I didn't remember all the beats Uh, but I guess let's do what we do and start at the top okay Uh, first of all the still of Will in jail in that jumpsuit that was what I got spoiled Ah, by so several episodes back I looked ahead and that was the picture for the episode was him in the jumpsuit so I was like oh I guess he is going to go to jail you know and there's like a still uh, in the last episode I think of like uh mac and will getting married and the, so like that's yeah i guess that is a bit of a spoiler but like th- this whole season they've been saying they're never gonna throw a reporter in jail and so of course you know you look ahead and you're like well guess they will so i i often talk about how bad the theme song is i also want to say the font work in the credits is terrible <laughs> like really bad fonts it looks like somebody just got fonts and uses all of them mm-hmm. uh so just putting that out there and this episode was directed by our friend toby by hey. uh, paul lieberstein slash somebody westbrook yeah richard westbrook um Richard I, clearly uh, a better uh, actor than director, I guess. I don't know. I also think he got handed a crap sandwich of an episode to direct. Yeah. yeah. All, uh, all the other I directors really passed. Enjoyed. My very first note was, my first two notes are are happy. The bit player who plays the prison guard, I thought was great. I thought the guy like talking to Will and getting him set up in his cell, I, I like that guy. I need, not enough that I looked up his name, but I no. like that guy. My note about him is he's probably a little too nice, like... He's, he's too, mm-hmm. This is not uh, doesn't feel accurate. But then again, you know, maybe the the, the celebrity inmate uh, gets a little bit different treatment. That was my take was that he was he was using the kid gloves because Will McAvoy is so famous because, you know, how prison guards love news anchors. like They <laughs> just go gaga for them. Uh, and then my second note was I really, 
was stunned, like, wow, aloud, maybe even, by the Chiron that comes on afterwards that says 52 days later. Yeah. Like, Will's only going to be there for a day or two, and then boom, now he's been there for a month and a half. That's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. I was amazed. Reminds me of when I watched Castaway with my daughter, and there's a moment where it says, like, four years later, and her mouth just drops open. She's like, whoa! that's that's an exciting kind of thing, you know. You're living moment to moment, and then all of a sudden, seven weeks pass by. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it, it, you're right. It's very reminiscent of that kind of a moment, even though it's way less time. I was I was shocked, and I recognized his cellmate right away. I knew he had been on Breaking Bad, and he was in the Umbrella Academy. The actor's mm. name is Kevin Rankin. Mm-hmm. I've seen that guy a lot. Um, and as soon as he appeared on screen, I remembered the deal with what happens with that part of this episode. I didn't remember what made the episode even worse. But how do you feel? Did you see this coming? And how did you feel about the fact that the cellmate who Will is venting to, fighting with, unloading on, etc., doesn't exist at all and is, in fact, Will's father? Uh, Okay, I'll try to answer all those, but I probably won't get them in order. One, yes, I saw it coming, but I didn't remember it from the first time we saw it, uh, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. But I don't know, like partway through the episode, I'm like, yeah, this guy doesn't exist. I I think I even wrote it in my notes. (laughs) And so I was kind of happy that I guess I'd predicted it. But then again, I did see it, you know, 10 years ago. So maybe somewhere in the back yeah. of my head, I, I remembered it. I'm giving you full credit. But either way, like they telegraph it. Um, and did I like that? Nope, I did not like that. I thought that was just, it felt so cheap. I mean, the guy's like, oh, your dad, uh, your dad was an alcoholic, right? And I'm like, either this is uh, f- extra fiction uh, or this guy's reading way too much into Will and that doesn't feel real either. Yeah. Yeah. I was... <laughs> I, I did not find those scenes compelling or moving or good. I didn't like them. But then we, we get one of the funnier moments. We cut to uh, they're learning about hashtag URACN. <laughs> and, and Don's like, it looks like urine. <laughs> I loved all that. I wrote ha, 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 ha in my notes. Yep. And they cut, that cost $700,000 to make one commercial that looked like you or I could have done this commercial. I once worked at a company called The Midroll. Three words, The Midroll. And we paid a branding agency to help us come up with a new name. I, I was opposed to this. And uh, we rebranded for $100,000 to The Midroll, spelled as one word, instead of uh, Midroll being two words. $100,000. <laughs> That's what I thought of when I saw this happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see uh, Don gets angry because... The boss wants him, BJ Novak wants him to cover some story with two people in the studio. At the moment, we don't know what that story is. And uh, he's grumpy about it. And Charlie's like, just do it. And boy, boy, the the least cruel thing they do to Charlie in this episode is kill him. Because they make him yeah. such a garbage human in this episode. Like totally unlikable, without redemption, and without ever explaining why he's being the way he is. And uh, mm-hmm. man, I do not like Charlie in this interaction at all. No, it's awful. He even kind of... Th- semi threatens to fire Don. It's like, you do know how to do this. And if you don't, I need to hire someone who does man. Why do you put the man at the end of that? I don't know. Like it just me. It seems so icky and Charlie's not icky. It reminded me in a very subtle way of when Sorkin left the West wing and Leo becomes totally unlikable for a while. And, uh, I, was sad when that happened and here we don't get the explanation or the excuse of well sorkin left the show so that's why because sorkin's still writing this and i'm like why is he doing this i did not i did not like it did you catch 
the moment that I was wondering if you or other listeners would hear me in their heads because uh, Mackenzie goes in to meet with Rebecca, mm-hmm. uh, the ACN lawyer, and she asks Rebecca if Rebecca is her lawyer, and Rebecca says no, which I found pretty freaking convenient convenient because she is will's lawyer and she is neil's lawyer but somehow she's not mackenzie's lawyer until mackenzie gives her a 20 like come on how does this work (laughs) beggars belief it does beggar belief my gosh and we need to be able to play that jingle a couple more times beggar belief yeah and and they use like this well-trod trope of let me just pay you whatever's in my wallet and you can be my lawyer now and now we have attorney client privilege whereas like neil and everybody else no one ever pulled any uh, spare change out of their pockets to to pay her and become her lawyer so i yeah it it feels um unnecessary it's not like it almost like they're filling time or something i just want to say listener you may not know this because of brian's editing but i choked on some coffee just now and brian <laughs> did not let that slow him down at all i've got tears streaming out of my eyeballs one time I was at, I was in like my first meeting with someone, I, I think it was at my current job, and I had what just happened to you, and I could not stop coughing. Like you recovered in like 15, 20 seconds. <laughs> I went on mute, and then like I went out of camera, and then I just left the room and had to go like find more water to like quench my thirst. And I finally come back, like maybe two full minutes later, and the guy's like, Wow, I didn't know what to do. I was like, should I call his boss? Like, does someone know where he lives? Like, <laughs> this may have been the last time I ever saw you. So, thankfully, you stayed in camera the whole time, and and Lex is alive and well, folks. That, mostly thanks to your support, Brian. But so, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, the whole lawyer thing felt weird. Yeah. And then she tells she tells uh, the lawyer Rebecca, "Hey, guess what? I also know who the source is." And the lawyer's like, "Never tell anybody that ever." <laughs> Okay. And the source killed herself. And my note was, how convenient. Uh, um, suicide's no joke. and uh, You can dial 999, I think, on your any device in the U.S. if you need help with suicide-related yeah, things. Yes. Reach out yeah. to people if you need help. If anything, they cheapened suicide here to make it less important than it should I'm be. I'm wrong, by the way. It's 988. The number okay. is 988. I looked it up. But so I, I don't know. I I just thought it felt so Deus Ex Machina to be like, hey, mm-hmm. now the source is dead, so that's how Will gets out. It's not that the legal system finally comes to its senses. It's not that Will decides to cave. It's oh, it's now forced. So I, I was booing that. Yeah. Um, but then we do meet a character who I enjoyed. Uh, we meet Bree. <laughs> Bree's great. Bree is the character who built. Uh, what what Sloan calls the Assassin's Helper app, and there was some um, reference to I guess was it Gawker? Yeah, some, or one of those sites had an app like that in the past, and it also made me think about like as we're recording this. Most recently in the news was Taylor Swift uh, taking uh, filing suit against the student who runs a, a web app that tracks her private plane's flights. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Taylor Swift's plane landed here. And they refer to it it's with similar language, that it's like a tool that can help assassins. Elon Musk banned that guy from Twitter, or whatever he calls it now, for tweeting about Elon's planes. And I thought it was, so it felt like not unfamiliar, but so I liked the performance of John Bass. I liked him kind of getting taken to school. And I don't know if you did this. John Bass is the guy who plays Bree. I looked up John yeah. Bass's IMDb page, and his bio reads as follows, in part. Hi, I'm John Bass. Welcome to my IMDb page. You might recognize me from Baywatch or the TBS series Miracle Workers. It's quite possible that you were rewatching The Newsroom or American Horror Story 
Roanoke and thought, who the heck is that guy? It was me. That makes me love John Bass even more. Yes. Um, Bree's also, Bree the character is extremely disrespectful to Sloan. And oh, yeah. I find that shocking. Like, the, basically, it's a, a whole world of Trump space, and they can just do whatever they want and don't worry about any consequence. Mm hmm. Yeah. Didn't like it. He's been um, given the special dispensation by uh, Pruitt, and so he can just do whatever he right. wants, I guess. And then Sloan is claims that she is convinced by Brie, all of which is a ploy to get Brie to come on the show. Mm -hmm. Sloan tells Don, Don, you should apologize. And Don says sorry to Sloan, and she <laughs> says to him, and he says sorry, habit. And that was funny. That was a little cute. Yep. Yep. And, and a lot of episodes happened already, Brian, and this is the first time we see Maggie and Jim. Before we get to that, did you catch the sarcasm in the conversation about the paparazzi? Tell me. Maybe this is done all over the place, but it, it just feels especially sorkin to me where Sloan's talking about how this famous actor was accosted by the paparazzi coming out of the Man of Steel at the El Capitan in L.A. And Don's like, the paparazzi was coming out of the El Capitan? Oh, no. It was... Anytime that there can be uh, some ambiguity into that, Sorkin always reaches for the the sillier version first, and then people correct each other. Excellent point. And and in that case, I think Don corrects himself and like kind of says it in unison with Sloan. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, and uh, nobody would misinterpret that. Nope. I, I I agree that it's absolutely a Sorkinism, and he loves doing it. And I I I always it's funny. I didn't ever think about it consciously until this conversation, but I always infer it as Sorkin. Not that he doesn't know how to write it more clearly, but worrying, did I write that ambiguously? And rather than letting a listener say, hey, you had bad grammar in this scene, he's like, let me call it out. This way I can I can say that it was intentional. I always like treat it that way. That's funny. Uh, Maggie and Jim are in Russia. They want Snowden. Whatever. They want to find him. The plotline was a piece of crap. I saw where it was going and I hated it. We'll get to it as it happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then... We we go back to the jail, I guess, or the prison, I don't know. And Will and Rebecca are meeting with um Justice Department lawyer guy again. Lazenthal. Right. And uh Will says, No, I still won't confirm or deny that that woman, Lily, who killed herself, uh, was my source. And then we get this really tropey moment that made no sense where she's like, I knew what Will the lawyer, Rebecca's like, I knew what Will would say. And in fact I wrote it on this sealed envelope. Like mm -hmm. we're doing a magic trick all of a sudden. And also, I was just, not for nothing, the envelope was not sealed, so I don't know what, why we made a point of saying it was sealed. Um, it is open without any tearing. And uh, she had written that he would say, no, sir. Why did she feel, hey, you know what? I'm going to write down the word no, sir on a card and put it in this envelope and take it with me to this important meeting. What What is the point of that? No. Why not say ahead of time? Hey, lawyer guy, I expect that he'll still say no. Like, I don't know. It just felt so <laughs> dumb. Uh, I hated it. Yeah, again, like what, what does this service in the plot? Like, or what, what is the service in the episode? Just that Will is continuing to hold his stance 52 days later. Like we know he's been there for seven weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. It doesn't make me like Will anymore. It doesn't make me dislike Will, but like it's, it seems to serve no purpose. Uh, and the envelope really bothered me. It felt so TV like, um, oh, here's where I wrote. Charlie got Leo'd where suddenly a good character is made to be garbage and rude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I was telling my kids about how on a prior episode you said, here I wrote down Jim as being a butt. And now I wrote Jim as being an ass. Like Charlie is both a butt and an ass at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, but Charlie visits Mac and Sloan to talk about Lady Gaga's manager's opinions on the Defense of Marriage Act and how that's going to enter the show. And he's, she's got to cut something to make time for it. And he's, she's like, that's not news. And he's like, you're going to do it. And like, if he said, 
hey, I hate this too, but like, let's play the game for a while. It's only his second month on the. Like, if he said anything to make mm-hmm. it justifiable, but he's just like, no, this is the way it is. And like, wh- who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Did not like it. Let's not forget how much time they, they spent weeks covering all the nonsense with Casey Anthony. Like, this is no different. If if anything, it's it's even more. Uh, it's it's less lurid than that so i don't know yeah do you know what the next scene is brian do tell the next scene is when don uh goes to meet the uh, rape victim who is building the website for rape victims to report their rapes anonymously um the good news is i finally with one episode left figured out who don reminds me of and it's of no use to any of our listeners but my friend eric who is a lawyer and works in the podcasting industry Mm. that's who don reminds me of classic eric um but so you picked Don this episode to bring up Eric. Like, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have picked the, some of the ones where Don was nice. Uh, Don doesn't want her to tell the story, and like this plot gets told over many, many different scenes. But maybe now we just get it all out of our system so we can skip sure, the other ones. Let's just get it all out. The 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 rape victim's name in the show is Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary is also the daughter on Veep, and she is great on Veep. And so I wanted to say, good job, daughter from Veep. But that was basically the only thing I liked about this storyline. We have Don mansplaining rape to Mary, um, taking the. <laughs> I, I want to make sure I'm not mischaracterizing it because it sounds insane even in my head as I prepare to verbalize it. Sure. But taking the stance that it is his moral obligation to trust the alleged perpetrator's denial versus the alleged victim's alleging. <laughs> He says, no, I, I, I'm morally ob-. She's like, there's not a court of law. It's not innocent until proven guilty. And he's like, no, I'm morally obligated to mm. believe the other guy, even though he has every reason to lie and you have none to. And that just sits there. Like, wh- why does he have that obligation? It makes no sense. Uh, he thinks that, and listen, there. I even will say, I'm not even fearful of wading into dangerous territory. I think it's reasonable. I think there's a, a a small sliver of reasonableness in one of the points that Don is trying to make, which is that a site that allows you to anonymously accuse other people of crimes carries with it some risk, mm-hmm. right? If people use it as a weapon, for whatever the allegation is, if people use a site where they can anonymously attack somebody, that could be bad. Sure. There, there are potential risks. Uh, okay. But the rest of his arguments hold no water, unlike my throat, which is still holding tons of water from the missed drunk coffee <laughs> earlier. Um, but like, he's basically saying, I don't want to give you airtime. I don't want to give you airtime with your uh, the person you have uh, accused um, because I think that it's it's bad to potentially have the risk that maybe we could one day harm somebody who didn't rape somebody who was accused of rape, uh, showing basically no empathy or sympathy or any good quality for the rape victim. Uh, it was crazy. I could not believe this was happening. I can understand Don wanting to lay out all the bad things that could happen, especially towards Mary, of what if they were on TV. Like if there's probably some parts of that that he can kind of see the dominoes falling of people like slut shaming her and stuff being on TV. Like sure, caution her against that. Um, but there's not much that we can do to defend Don beyond that. Uh, there was a couple. Parts of the interaction I did appreciate where he would start to say something like, I can imagine how frustrating this is. And she would call him out every single time. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Like there were a couple of times where that happened that I kind of appreciated the tone of that uh, interaction, but he he never pauses to really self-reflect and 
we never get the satisfaction of him saying, you know what, it it's the cost, the, the potential downside of believing you and always believing victims is way less than the downside of, of, uh, believing pe other people who, uh, maybe innocent or not like that that's there's a thing that everybody needs to get over at some point where we just gonna have to all believe the victims and yeah there's times when that could backfire but it's way the the cost to society is so much less than uh of us believing any frat bro who uh says that the woman was asking for it yeah it's it doesn't make any sense i'm gonna quote at length from for a minute it won't be too long i promise brian and listeners but it was from a a, a piece in the new yorker about this episode the headline was the newsroom's crazy making campus rape episode mm -hmm. uh the writer is is um pretty well-known uh tv journalist emily nussbaum and i'm gonna just quote a paragraph uh, he's referring, she's referring here to Don. He's heard two stories, one from quote, a very credible woman and the other from a sketchy guy with every reason to lie. And he's obligated. Don tells her to believe the sketchy guy's story. She's stunned. This isn't a courtroom. She points out echoing the thoughts of any sane person. You're not legally obligated to presume innocence. I believe I'm morally obligated. Don says in his sad Don voice. WTF, LOL, OMFG, as they say on the internet. Yes, that's correct. Sean, nope, Don, the show's voice of reason, and Sorkin, one presumes, argues that a person has a moral obligation to believe a man accused of rape over the woman who said he'd raped her as long as he hasn't been found guilty of rape. This isn't about testimony or even an abstract stance meant to strengthen journalism. Personally, I believe you, but as a reporter, I need to regard your story with suspicion, just as I do Jeff's. As an individual talking to a rape survivor, Don says that on principle, he doesn't believe her. It's it's truly insane. I don't know if you did any extracurricular Googling about this episode, but there is a side story that goes along with it, which is that a writer on the show... Oh, yeah, I uh, did read about this. When it came out, she wrote on Twitter how she had argued vociferously against this plot line said we shouldn't do it and then was kicked out of the writer's room for that day by sorkin and he his response to her having complained publicly about this episode was uh she broke the cardinal rule we don't talk about what happens in the writing room <laughs> but i appreciated her feedback yep. and i always had feedback and i like healthy debate but you know at some point she wouldn't let it go so i had to kick her out uh First time I can say I like actively disliked Sorkin was mm -hmm. this episode and his handling of that real life episode. Just man, just just garbage. I don't know. I I cannot imagine a world where somebody wants to defend this storyline. <laughs> no, no. The the she, she gosh Mary is great in this episode. Uh, she's handed a terrible plot line too. But like Don's the bad guy here. Mary did a great job, and she pointed out and this is she pointed out something like uh oh there's the whole thing about should i close the door or could we have this meeting somewhere else and she says something like you're scared i'd cry rape i'm scared of getting raped and that's like <laughs> that's kind of the point i i don't know it, i found it so disappointing and um i even want to say this and uh thomas sadowski is the guy who plays don i thought he the actor did a great job with horrible material sure like i felt bad for him i don't know I don't know Thomas at all. I don't know his worldview. I don't know if he agreed with Don or not, but I thought he at least he did the best one could with the material that he had to mm -hmm. deliver. Um, and it's funny because like the, Emily Nussbaum wrote about sad voice Don or whatever, but like very sad <laughs> Don voice. I don't know. Like I thought that he, I guess what I'm trying to say is I thought that he looked like a person compellingly giving an argument that wasn't compelling. Sure. And I think the character doesn't know that his argument sucks. 
and I think maybe some of the audience doesn't know either, but those of us in the audience who <laughs> feel better than him <laughs> and get that his argument sucks, like mm-hmm. I thought it was a good job of making trying to make an argument that sucks sound compelling. So I, I don't know. I was impressed by what he did. Yeah. And Don, as a character, didn't want to be there in the first place. Like he, he didn't yeah. want to recruit anybody. And so Thomas could uh, draw on his uh, dislike of the material too to like also feel super uncomfortable in that position. So uh, you got two people yeah. who don't want to be there uh, having to kind of try to talk this person to doing something that nobody wants her to do. So yeah, there's that, that kind of works in two ways. Yeah. So anyway, we get to leave that storyline behind if you're ready. Thank goodness. And go back to Maggie and Jim. Hmm. who have tickets to the wrong airport they bought tickets to or the, somebody from the newsroom bought them tickets to havana the wrong, spain havana yeah yeah uh uh we get maggie schooling jim that he should have apologized to hallie in person not in a text and she encourages him to do better but he doesn't want to and then he doesn't actually call hallie but he pretends to because it's tv and then they fight and then they go take one of them takes a separate seat on the plane instead of sitting next to each other, which Mm-mm. also beggars belief because that's not how planes work, especially full planes. Uh, then they come back and then they kiss. <laughs> I hated all of it. It was stupid. We <laughs> knew it was coming there. We 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 expected this is where it was going, and it did go there, and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. You know, we we've wanted them to get together. You know, we've been shipping them since season one, uh, like so. It's it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a bummer that it ends up being so. Um, silly tropey uh, in this whole extra storyline of them being in russia that apparently acn sending like some of their two best people to russia to take a photo or to get some like b-roll of snowden it's not like they were going to get an interview or anything it's not like when maggie went to boston and i couldn't even quite follow what happened yeah like they got on the, the if they hadn't left their other plane they would have been on his plane or something maybe i don't know i couldn't quite tell he was never there like he if he went if he was in the airport at all, like he didn't get on that plane. Uh, so they're like, oh, I guess we we're flying away from Snowden now. But like, where would they have gone? Would they have gone to his house? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was bizarre. Um, then we get Bree on Sloan's show. And I thought, I guess Sloan is covering for what uh, for Will. Yeah. And when, when she, I don't know, there was a point where I was like, hey, remember when Sloan was the financial reporter? Like mm-hmm. of all the people, like, and wh- I do think that we get a mention of Elliot from Thomas in this yeah. episode. From Thomas, from Don in this episode. Um, but Elliot's, like, as we have known, is gone from the show for no obvious reason. So it's hilarious to me that Sloan, the financial reporter, is covering. I guess in, he, uh, well, we thought he might have died from like nut poisoning or something, right? From his allergic right. reaction. I guess he's still alive in, in, the, in yeah, the newsroom right. universe. Good point. Um, so I don't know, but she, she kind of takes Brie apart on TV and honestly, I, I even don't think she's like incredibly cruel to him. I think she is Mm-mm. like tough on him, but like could have been even tougher and has fun dismembering him. And then when that's done, he's like, you're going to be in so much trouble. And she's like, whatever. And did you catch the little Easter egg? I, I caught it. And then I saw it on IMDb as well, yes. but they're showing because this is, you know, Newsnight 3.0, I guess mm-hmm. they're showing various tweets behind Sloan on TV during the broadcast. And one of the tweets talks about how Toby on the office is hot. Yeah. Uh, he was in funny. like, someone saw him in their yoga class or something like that. I spent a whole bunch of time like looking <laughs> Pausing and going back and trying to like jot down what it was never even occurred to me this would be on IMDb trivia. So, so funny, and I I, I love that kind of a little cute inside yep. joke. And so now Charlie's screaming his head off in the middle of of the newsroom, you know, in the middle of the bullpen. He's he's really angry, and 
He can't believe what happened on TV. And honestly, I, I thought he knew that was the plan. Like, I, I mm. honestly was surprised at his surprise. When Sloan said, fine, I'll have Brie on the show, or, or when M- Mackenzie says, fine, well, I'll let Sloan interview Brie on the show, I, I, I thought that he knew that it wasn't going to be a puff piece. Yeah. Um, I thought he was on the same team. I misread that moment. But so he's yelling at them about that, and he's like, well, Don, do you have that you know, rape victim ready? And he's like, no, I couldn't find her, which is a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charlie says, is this a mutiny? Which is insane. And Mackenzie says, it's an intervention, which it also isn't. Interventions are planned, but okay. And then BJ Novak comes in. He's like, I'm firing Sloan and Mackenzie. Um, and I'm going to fire everybody if we don't figure this out. And Charlie's like, nope. My contract says only I can fire the new staff. Uh, parting gift from Leona. Uh, yeah. Leona. Which I, warn, I wonder about the logistics of that, how exactly that works. Um, and then Charlie dies. <laughs> uh, here are my notes. Oh, and then Charlie dies. This episode is a fucking shit show. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I swear to you, I did this. I don't even feel guilty about it, Brian. I'm not proud, but I don't feel guilty. I hit my right arrow and did the 10-second skip through some of the shocked reactions to Charlie's mm. death and people rushing in and whatever. I was like, nope, I don't even, I don't believe the emotional poignancy of this moment because dying is a relief to how they have abused Charlie in this episode. Yeah. And I just didn't even watch it. And then... I don't know. What was, what was your take on this Charlie death and fighting and being angry? And I don't know. Well, how'd you feel about all this? Uh, I can just verbatim from my notes. Charlie's pissed. I'm tired of this. <laughs> Is that you or Charlie who said that? <laughs> Both of us, really. I wrote, Charlie's about to have a heart attack. Next line. Yep. Called it. Well done. And I wrote, dang it, Charlie. Like, he was our favorite part. He was the heart and soul of this show in so many ways. Like, he he was... The, one of the reasons the heart we and kept... soul and the soul of the show gave out so his heart <laughs> so, gave out boom yeah, you nailed boom it. it's over yeah i was wow. i was really bummed uh but this was kind of like the only way this kind of episode could have gone just because of how worked up he was getting the moment he started defending pruitt, pruitt instead of defending his team like he stopped being the charlie we loved anyway yeah I don't know. It was it, the death felt unearned in terms of like the emotional poignancy. Like, don't make the guy a jerk in the episode where we're going to lose him. It bummed me out that they chose to do it in a way where Will's not there. Will doesn't get a formal goodbye with him. Like, mm-hmm. I get maybe that's powerful writing in some way or another, but I didn't like it. And then, of course, we cut to even more garbage, which is Will getting released because the the or I mean, we don't cut to that. I think there's maybe a moment with lawyers, or maybe I skipped over that moment. But at some point, the lawyer's like, "I'm not going to fight with you on this one, Rebecca. Like, I'm going to agree yeah. that we should yeah. drop our case against him." And it's coerced. So and Will not gets punitive. released. Yeah, exactly. And we now know that Will's cellmate. We now get the confirmation that it was his grumpy dead dad. We hear the song "Ocean and Doa." I don't care for the song. I don't know the song. Mm-hmm. I don't care for the scene. And I literally, literally wrote my biggest complaint about this episode is this feels like a parody of Sorkin writing and not even a particularly good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I just, none of it rang true to me. And uh, like even, even BJ Novak's character storming in and being pissed at Sloan Mac, I thought he would love it. Now his app is controversial and he sure. can say, look, my new station doesn't shy away from talking about the controversies. Mm-hmm. Like n- none of these moments felt earned to me. And I don't mind I don't necessarily mind when the show gets distant from reality as much as it pretends to be reality-based. And I think decreasingly reality-based as time has gone on in the show. But like 
BJ Novak's character in the White House Correspondence Center episode is totally unbelievable. Yeah. Like he's just totally like a parody of a human. And then here, he now he's just like mean villain thing. And it's just like, I don't know. Nobody's behaving like a human being. And uh, Don's storyline is horrible. I don't like, you're right. We spent a lot of time shipping Maggie and Jim. And then, like, no, I like Hallie. And I like <laughs> seemingly totally forgotten Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, um, yeah, Jack. See, you forgot him. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. I just. This episode sucked, and I have no hopes for the finale. <laughs> I thought about watching it before this episode just so I could know. Yeah, and I was like, no, I I could get confused, so I won't do it. But like, how do you how do you recover? No, um, is I, it going to be a funeral? It's going to be a funeral. He loves a funeral. Oh my god, it's going to be uh, a funeral. I guarantee. Well, I can't guarantee, you, but I bet there will be a funeral, and it's going to be stupid. I don't think Sorkin <laughs> like crushes. Uh, series finales like that i can think of um where they wrap up a whole bunch of stuff up as well as he really does the the middle parts of shows especially where there's like a lot of threads going on uh not instagram threads but thread threads where there's just a lot of great storylines and they all kind of have some bit of connection to each other either like thematically or actually uh with people talking to each other those are my favorite kinds of ones where it's just a really twisty couple of plot lines that are all kind of interesting and that really reveal good stuff about the characters this had a bunch of disparate plot lines like Maggie and Jim on the plane. I cannot connect that to Will talking to his fake dead dad or yeah. them trying to take down this uh, social network app that was spun up in seven weeks. Like none of that makes sense to me. And um, so I feel like they're, they, they're trying too hard and they're not executing any of it. Yeah. So, yeah, here we go. We got one more episode. We're going to wrap this up and then move on to something maybe more interesting or at least a little more optimistic. Here's what I'm going to try to do, Ryan. I'm going to try to go into the finale optimistic. Sure. Because I feel like I've enjoyed some Sorkin finales. Yeah. He tries to aim big. He tries to have some grand sweeping whatevers. So let's see. Uh, I also um, I want to know because I mentioned the um, the character, Mary, was played by the girl who played the daughter on Veep. And mm-hmm. I love that show. Her name is Sarah Sutherland. And her father has the unusual name Kiefer. Oh. So you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> a lot of good Sutherlands. Yeah. yeah. She's keeping a family tradition going, I guess. Uh, but yeah, Brian, I don't know. I Here's the thing. We watched this show for a reason. And because it was available streaming on a service that we both subscribed to. Yeah. That's the primary reason. Um, and is it? No, it's not the last show Sorkin did. Because... because uh, Studio 60 comes later, right? In the chronology of Sorkin's No, I think Newsroom was after Studio 60. Okay, Studio 60 was 2006, 2007. And the Newsroom was 2012, 13. Like, yeah. Yeah, so you are right. Um, So this is his last TV show? Boy, he, he... it is not surprising to me that he stopped writing TV shows. And like, I still think he's a brilliant writer. I still think he's talented. But I think... And this is this is an overwrought analogy. But... M. Night Shyamalan, clearly an excellent writer. And then he's like, I have to do the things that I'm known for. Mm. And it became like, not even just a self-parody, but like, it became a pale impression of himself. Yeah. And I think there are times where Sorkin really locked it in on this show. And there are times where he really missed. And it feels to me in part like he's he is aiming to make his show have the grandeur or quality or meter even of some of the other ones and misses. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It makes me sad because this show is not as good as I wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here we are. We're kind of 
eulogizing the entire <laughs> series and you just said that we we're going to go in optimistic so hey he could turn it all around maybe really there's, there's a a greater than 0.0 chance that the finale would be so good it rewrites all of the show maybe much of it was a dream uh, and then <laughs> what are your any predictions for the finale I, i'm predicting a funeral okay i i don't know if they do the funerals i feel like it's going to be quick i pruitt came in and fired uh sloan and mac so if that actually happened and he didn't talk himself down off the ledge then mac this is all going to be about how everybody's leaving acn and they're going to go do something else like they're going to go will's going to go like do some back room deal and like not and start a a a news night at some other network or something it'll be awesome right Either he gives back even more millions to get out of his non-compete, or he, you know, Pruitt's like, you have a six-month non-compete. You can't be on there. That's death in this business. And Will's going to be like, it's your funeral. I'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> your line's better. Um, so I don't know. Hey, here, there's hope. And listen, we're uh, we're still open to your ideas for what we should watch next. So find us on social media and tell us. Brian joined Threads recently, so you can really find us in all the places. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, someone sent me a link to a video, and I couldn't couldn't do it without logging in. So... They got me. They got you. The system works. Well, Brian, what a pleasure. Even though I hated the episode, I loved dismantling it with you. You know, I think some of our best episodes have been ones where we were kind of feeling a little grumpy about things. So, yeah. When I finished this episode, I was shocked. I did not see Charlie's death coming up until, like you said, the minute before it happened. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I couldn't believe they found a way to make a bad episode worse. And they did. (laughs) Uh, But don't forget, this is a good episode. So go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, don't forget to, uh, you know, consider becoming a member of, uh, the incomparable, the incomparable.com slash members. If you're already a member or becoming one, feel free to say, Hey, we want to throw some of our dollars towards Brian and Lex. Cause that'd be so kind. We'd mm-hmm. love you forever. We already do. Honestly, like True. I can't deny it. True. We love you. Anything else, Brian, any other stuff we're supposed to cover? You know, it may not feel like you should after an episode like today, but, um, you know, you may as well keep sorking in it. It's a great idea. Great, great, great idea. <laughs>